Okay, I think we'll uh, begin, and I'd like to welcome all of you to this uh, this uh, meeting and uh, discussion. And we we are uh, going to emphasize the discussion. This is a uh, the subject we're discussing concerning uh, the merit-based acquisition of uh, of uh, cloud computing services is a. Uh, is a, is a current issue. It's likely to be an enduring one because of the fact that uh, the uh, Department of Defense is moving decisively into the do domain where data is uh, a dominant uh, enabler of uh, military performance. You think back um, almost uh, three decades uh, in Operation Desert Storm, first uh, uh, major military campaign after the end of the Cold War, uh, we uh, went in with over 300,000 troops and uh, 360,000 mil vans full of uh, equipment. Uh, a dozen years later, uh, in the same theater, we had about half uh, as many troops and uh, uh, half the logistics burden, uh, uh, but uh, engaged in a much wider area. And what you saw uh, over that intervening period with the uh, military applications of uh, information technology is loosely speaking, uh, bandwidth was beginning to substitute for force structure in the sense that, that the bandwidth gave you the opportunity to have much more efficient uh, allocation of forces against uh, targets and that uh, contributed to reducing the, uh, the burden. What we're now uh, at the front end of is uh, the evolution of the way in which the Department of Defense uh, conducts military operations to uh, be increasingly dependent on data for uh, being able to do so. The, uh, the sort of poster child for that, uh, of course, is the F-35, which uh, is uh, 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 vitally dependent on uh, sources of data that are not in the aircraft, and hence uh, the need to acquire data to be able to uh, successfully conduct milita military operations with that uh, advanced piece of equipment. But as uh, those of you who are close to uh, uh, defense R&D will uh, almost certainly be aware of the extraordinary efforts being made to uh, couple uh, access to data to uh, almost every dimension of military operations from close combat to uh, logistics operations. And we're just, because we're just at the beginning of this, the public policy uh, questions about how the uh, DOD should procure services that will enable it to uh, draw from the, the pool of data that the military operations are creating and, and be able to exploit that is, is, uh, is an issue. The uh, underlying technologies of, for the, the use of uh, cloud-based services is, a, is now a widely established uh, uh, commercial venture. A typical uh, company that uses uh, cloud-based services typically has eight different uh, uh, providers because of the uh, nature of the, uh, uh, the competitive landscape and the fact that uh, there are many different uh, forms in which cloud computing uh, uh, takes place and uh, the underlying technologies that are creating the, the cloud services are evolving at differing rates and uh, have different applications depending on the uh, needs of the user. So it's a very vibrant um, uh, market. And the question is, how can 
DOD take advantage of this. This is very um, consistent with the dilemma that the DOD is, faced, uh, is facing every day, where, uh, to an increasing degree, military performance depends on technologies that are not produced in the defense sector. They are largely of commercial origin and adapted uh, to defense applications, and certainly cloud-based services are an illustration of that trend. So uh, for our discussion today, we have uh, uh, two people who have been very active in various phases of uh, uh, this um, uh, uh, revolution in military affairs that has made uh, uh, data uh, a central element of uh, the way in which we create military capabilities and the way we conduct military operations. Uh, to my uh, right, your left, is uh, uh, John Stenbitt, who uh, many of you know from his uh, service in the Department of Defense, where he was Assistant Secretary for uh, C-Cubed-I and is extraordinarily knowledgeable both uh, from the government and but also in, in the uh, uh, private sector, where he's uh, served in uh, major corporations that have been innovators in these areas uh, as well. Uh, uh, to my left, your right, uh, Steve Bryan, uh, uh, a colleague of mine from, <clears throat> from both congressional staff and uh, uh, DOD uh, uh, government service. Uh, Steve was uh, formerly the uh, director of the Defense Technology Security Administration, indeed the first incumbent of that uh, uh, position, and uh, has been uh, also a commentator on uh, advanced uh, defense technology for uh, uh, more years than he would prefer that I, I mentioned. So, uh, good. So, uh, the aspiration is is to really stimulate a, a discussion. This is a, a front burner uh, public topic, and uh, uh, for many of you are already industry practitioners or in various ways involved in the, in the sector. We would like to uh, uh, in, in, engage because this this is a a public policy project. We're trying to, to understand uh, what is the best way uh, forward. So um, I'll perhaps start with John, uh, and he'll uh, you know, we'll make a, a few brief comments and followed by Steve, and then open it up for discussion. I thought it might be interesting to give you my perspective of the evolution of the information applications in the DOD. I first went in the DOD in the 70s. We just had uh, the Pueblo captured in in uh, North Korea, all by North Korea. And that was a major information failure, and it was based fundamentally on how we did information. It, and if you want to think about it, uh, the, the, the thing to think about is a telephone. And if somebody had something to say, they needed to know that it was important, so they had to be smart about that, and they needed to know to whom to send it. And so what happens in that kind of a case is that Bandwidth is expensive, processing is expensive, it's all in a controlled sort of an environment. So <clears throat> it's synchronous in time, synchronous in space. The DOD didn't have answering machines. So if you called and they didn't answer, that was it. So there were a lot of private lines connecting things back together. But now let's go to Commander Buker, who's on the, on the uh, Pueblo. And the North Koreans come after him, and he says, oh my god, this is important. So he's smart. He knows it's important. And what he's got is a list of telephone numbers, all of whom are spooks that work for NSA. Nobody owns a gun or anything else on there. He was dumb about how to get those data out. 
And the result was it took four days for the Washington bureaucracy to get itself together and talk to each other and figure out it all. And then somebody said, hey, we have F-4s on Okinawa. We could get there and intercept it, except the North Koreans had it back in port in 30 hours. And he stayed there for a year or something yes. like that. A miserable failure of the telephone model. And we're coming into the mid-'70s, lots of uh, issues all over the place. Uh, that kind of a system wasn't going to work anymore. We had a new, we had a new technology. It was basically called satellites. It was an expensive way. Bandwidth was still very expensive, but it covered sort of the whole Earth. So it's called Direct TV, broadcast, broadcast information. So let's just divide the world into people that find targets and people that have guns. In the telephone model, you had to be right next to each other, and you said, I'll take the guy on the right, you take the guy on the left. And there was no way to coordinate uh, amongst organizations without a lot of trouble. The only place that happened was at the Strategic Air Command, where they had a national, pro a national plan for using nuclear weapons. And if you wanted to change it, it took two years. An, an enormous amount of processing to get all of that done. So that was not going to be the right thing. We switch to a system which is broadcast. Somebody has some data about uh, a target, he sends it to a satellite. Somebody has a gun, he listens to a satellite. So now we have processing is cheaper because you have to have lots of people listen to satellites, lots of people transmitting satellites, but bandwidth is still very expensive. But what it does is it allows um, the person who's got the gun not to have any particular knowledge of the other guy. GPS helps all of this. And it, it helps the, the guy who has the data doesn't have to know anything about who's doing what. So he sends it up. The best example, by the way, that's in the 70s. The intelligence community came on board in the 80s. We first used that in Iraq in 1991, but the one I find to be the most interesting because we'd really refined it by when we went into Afghanistan in 2001. Uh, I don't know if you remember the story about the special ops guy on the camel with the Northern Alliance people, and he sees some bad guys over there on this hill, and he says, I need a bomb on that hill. And within a couple minutes, the hill blows up. He had no idea who was going to send the bomb, Guy on the, on the, in, the, in the airplane didn't have any idea where the thing was coming from, but it was this connect the people that find the data to the people that have the gun. When I went in this time, we were very good at this system now, except there's a problem. Uh, so now we have the internet, and we don't have to be smart push, smart pull, all the rest of it. We can just have the person who needs the data pull it. So if somebody takes a picture and NGA processes it and posts it, then it gets sent to various people. But it's on their website, and you can go retrieve it if you have the proper credentials um, by saying what, what area of the world you want to have a picture of. That gets fouled up 
when we were in Afghanistan and Iraq at the same time, and somebody has come down to the director of NGA one day and said, Iraq has a higher priority than Afghanistan. Now, you'd think, actually, that you should be able to do the highest priority in Iraq and then the highest from Afghanistan and so forth. But that's not how government bureaucracies work, in case certainly not I've observed. So the last picture from Iraq gets done before the first one in Afghanistan. That's next day. If you're the captain in Afghanistan, and there's a picture already taken about the other side of the hill, but you can't get it because the bureaucracy is not going to process it until tomorrow. You are angry, okay? If it's an internet and NGA posts the pictures from which their analysts grab it to do their stuff, then that guy in Afghanistan can pull the same thing and use Photoshop to look on the other side of the hill. It's a totally different way to think about how it goes. We're not doing a real good job of that these days. There's a lot of uh, moving around. There are a lot of ad hoc ways that are being done. But this whole idea of smart pull uh, is, is what this is all about. And a cloud, I want to I give you a couple of definitions that I would appreciate you're thinking about. Cloud is not a noun. How many of you think of the cloud as a noun, and, or how many of you see it as a noun? It's just not. Cloud computing is different from cloud storage, is different from cloud operation. So the guy I was talking about in Afghanistan, he's only interested in cloud storage. He wants to make sure that whatever the pictures that are stored there have a metadata that he can call and have it come to him. He's not going to use the cloud for processing. He can do his Photoshop on his phone. Uh, he's not going to use it for sophisticated calculations, whereas that same picture will be used by NGA with a lot of computation and a lot of operations to make a wonderful display which knows where everything is precisely and so forth. And I'm not denigrating that. I'm just saying it's a different job. So I think what you need to think about in the cloud sense is it's three things. All of them are different. And they need to be applied to different problems. We tend to think about crypto and cyber and a whole bunch of other issues, but it's really information operations. Information operations has to do with denying the other person the ability to work. In electronic warfare, that's called jamming. In cyber, it's called a denial of service attack. They're the same thing, but the people who do it don't think the same way, and they should, because there's a lot to learn from both sides. There are equivalents about spoofing, influence operations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's very important to think broadly about what the message is going to be and uh, measure it against several issues, and it's very important to worry about how does the cloud processing, the cloud storage, and the cloud operation interface amongst itself, but then with the users. Because every one of those are going to be different. And I think that the government is not good at system engineering, which is a process of taking various problems and solutions and putting them together. I used to call it having the peanut butter and jelly come out equal. Um, and I think that that's almost definitely 
a failure of every government IT program, and I don't know the details of the DOD one, but I'll bet you it is not particularly well system engineered if you talk about it over the broad spectrum that I was just describing. So that's my context for which, if you ask me any questions, I will answer. Yeah. Uh, one of the um, uh, drivers for uh, the cloud also, is, uh, which uh, uh, Steve is likely to, to touch on, is uh, the, the need to improve our capacity to protect information. The, uh, uh, as, as the internet was uh, propagated through DOD, the decentralized model of uh, computing uh, turned out to be, uh, to pose a grave risk of uh, loss of data. And uh, uh, in, in fact, I've been a party to some discussions about uh, is it possible for us to discuss, a, to, to conduct a war with, without uh, any uh, security? Uh, because uh, when you have uh, a situation where terabytes of data have been taken from um, uh, highly uh, classified uh, storage, uh, it does uh, suggest that, uh, that the uh, uh, imperative of uh, security has been one of the important aspects of uh, moving to, the, to a cloud-based architecture. Steve? Well, I think you're, you're right. Uh, the security issue is certainly, is certainly an issue that, that faces, uh, considerably faces DOD today. And the performance has not been what we would hope it would be. Uh, hacking of DOD computers and of contractors and other uh, people who provide support to DOD, that, that kind of <coughs> hacking has been immense. Uh, we have uh, seen our friends in other countries, especially Russia and China, uh, take uh, considerable advantage of this. Uh, the greatest example, the one that catches you most is, is the compromise of the data for the F-35 uh, program, where some uh, 50 gigabytes of information disappeared, or probably to China. And it's, it may or may not surprise you that China is now flying the J-20, their first stealth aircraft, and they're working on their second one, the, J the J-31, which will be operational soon. So security is, is definitely an issue. And so is cloud security. Uh, it's, it's, it's not true that the cloud is, is secure. Cloud, there are many cloud providers. Um, and some of them have had incidents already, serious incidents. You can ask Tesla about that. Uh, Tesla, of course, makes the uh, electric cars, which we can't afford, uh, what we would like to have. Uh, and uh, they, their system was, was actually deployed on the Amazon cloud, uh, and it was hacked, um, and rather cleverly hacked as well. And they're, and they're not alone. Other cloud systems have been hacked too. Now, the, the, the DOD, as I understand the, the, the procurement that we're discussing, uh, the DOD has laid down its own uh, standards if you want to call them that, or guidelines, if you want to call them that, on what it expects the security of a system that it's going to procure should look like. Uh, and basically what they've done, for the most part, is two things. <coughs> One, of course, is to make sure the employees that are working in the, in the cloud environment that's being proposed are 
cleared American employees. That, by the way, creates a significant problem in being able to find enough cleared American employees to do the job. And I'm not sure they're so readily available, but that is definitely a challenge, let's say, that's, that's out there. Uh, and the, second, the second is to take some of the procedures that are used to secure uh, DOD's existing computers and servers and equipment um, and apply that to the, to the cloud. So I, I'm just trying to wonder whether DOD has such confidence in these standards. There's not a new standard for the cloud, but they're just taking what they have and they're using a system called STIGS, and I never can remember uh, the definition of STIGS, so I will tell you that it stands for Security Technical Implementation Guidelines. Sure. STIG, S-T-I-G. But basically, there are about uh, 400 of these guidelines, and they, what they really are is massive checklists that you go through, and, and you're required to go through, and make sure that you're in compliance with each of the points that, you know, so if, you're, if there's a vulnerability that's known, you're supposed to check off that and, and make sure that that vulnerability has been taken care of. Uh, and basically, you do this once a year for every computer. Uh, the problem is not everybody does it once a year for every computer. About 25% of them do it, and the rest of them don't. They apply for exceptions because taking down, a lot of them require taking down the system to fix it. And if you take down the system, you don't have it operational. So now how are you going to do that in the cloud? I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a, serious, a serious problem because they're not going to be able to take down the cloud to fix a vulnerability. So one of the vulnerabilities we know about these days is with the, uh, some of the Intel processors that are surely used in these servers. And, and they have a microcode problem. And the only way you can really fix that is shut down the system and replace that with something that's patched and works. Uh, so this is going to be a, a genuine challenge. But I think there's also another issue. The, the DOD has not been ex uh, what we could call exceptionally successful in terms of its security. That's why it hires 12-year-olds to come in and hack away at the system to, to, dig, out, to dig out new vulnerabilities. They're doing that right now, by the way. Um, and it's understandable because it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a hodgepodge system that DOD has. It's grown over the years, you know, and it's matured, and some things have not changed. I mean, for example, uh, it's not the most pertinent one, but it's one that gives you a sense. Uh, there, there are XT, if you remember the XT operating system, there are XT computers operating in nuclear submarines uh, to this day, uh, even though they have vast vulnerabilities, but, you know, to you want to shut down the nuclear submarine and then change all the code and change all the software. It's a big undertaking, so they don't do it. Um, one of the complaints, by the way, the, the cloud industry is a growing industry. This year will be about $160 billion of cloud computing in this, in this country. That's, that's a lot of money going into that. And, and because it offers efficiencies, uh, for especially for businesses, although I must say most businesses have uh, chosen, as Bill has said, uh, is quite correct, uh, have chosen to have multiple cloud providers as a, as a way of providing uh, some backup to any risks that they, they, they inherently have in depending on one, on one provider. Uh, the DOD procurement is a billion dollar 
proposed as a billion dollar procurement for 10 years, but only to one provider, leaves open the question, what's the backup? And that is not clear. And my, you know, my guess is that the backup actually is the existing system. And that what, what they're really going to try to do is to keep two systems going, a cloud system over here and, a, and, a, and the old system over here. But we already know the old system has its set of problems, and we don't know what all the problems are going to be with, with the new system. Uh, if you could do a denial of service attack on a cloud, which is one risk, uh, and shut it down, you could shut down DOD if it was only on one. So the assumption has to be that there's a backup, but the backup is just the old system that they're going to maintain. But that also sucks up the people who provide that kind of capability to DOD. Some of them are outsourced. These are cleared people. Uh, and it means, as a practical matter, that there's going to be not only a shortage of people, but a host of problems that are going to migrate from the existing system into the, into the cloud itself, uh, if they haven't already done so. So uh, I think this whole thing is, is, is really in need of a lot more study, uh, a lot more investigation, and particularly on the security side, which I don't think is, I think what we have is a very simplistic approach to security right now that, that says we can put the old standards to the new system It'll work. Everything will be fine. Uh, and I just think that's wishful thinking. And it seems to me that, the, that a much more ambitious effort should be made. Because I think cloud, cloud computing makes sense. But I think that it has to, you know, it has to be uh, secure computing. Uh, I want to I show that we think differently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were talking about that funny acronym, and this is a bunch of uh, of checklists that you can meet all these criteria. If I were a really good <clears throat> attacker of the DOD cloud, I would go find the companies that are causing people to be able to check those things positively, figure out how to hack them, mm. and I get the whole DOD right there. Uh, so it is it, it, any checklist thing is only a guideline to your enemy about where to look. Uh, so I, I, I don't mean to be nasty, no, no, but I am nastier than you based on your, <laughs> your discussions about that. And I think it's really important because you're, de you're describing security in a, uh, I'll call it a semi-provable, uh, insurable kind of a way. Right. I assert it is impossible to secure the IT system. If somebody wants to get you, they will. Uh, you can do things about it, and I have all kinds of ways about how I think about that problem. But I would, just as I said, you should think about um, cloud operations. That's really where the, all of this stuff he's talking about is, is uh, where the programs are. Right. Uh, cloud uh, storage, let's think of the simple issue. I worked on this for three years in the Pentagon. I was the assistant secretary of both command and control and intelligence. And I could not get those two groups to agree on a common standard of time or place. Now, you can't have a metadata system with a cloud storage, which everybody's going to use, if you use different definitions of what, what time is and what, what location is. Some people use GPS. Some people use uh, 
somebody else's standard, there's a, there's a geodesic standard, etc. If a user will pick one that they will stick with, it's a simple task to build a process that converts that particular position to the other one or that particular time. But they won't even do it within their own places. So I think it's a, there, are, there are really down at the fundamental levels. I call them system engineering problems. I didn't mean to joke about them when I was talking about peanut butter and jelly. But it is true. It all has to work, or else it doesn't work. And every time you start doing bureaucratic checks on that, you have provided a guide to somebody like me to save time and get you faster. So, good luck. As uh, I think we've had a, a rich exposition of uh, various dimensions of the uh, uh, policy issues with. A, a decision to migrate uh, DOD capabilities to the, to the uh, to a cloud-based architecture, uh, but I, I think perhaps it's a, a good time to begin some uh, uh, some exchange of views. And uh, uh, if if you would uh, pl uh, please uh, uh, provide your uh, institutional affiliation. Uh, John Weiler, I am uh, executive director of the IT Acquisition Advisory Council. We're uh, a do tank made up of 24 nonprofits. We've looked at this problem with DOD. We offered to bring some solutions here from our standards partners of how do you measure this financial services industry. They're probably more secure than we are. <laughs> the banks would be bankrupt if they implemented our check plus mentality, and I agree with you on that. But there seems to be an unwillingness to even listen to outside voices within the DDS structure. Uh, there is a closed thinking mentality that we've already found the answer, let's back into it. It's this company or it's this commercial cloud because we're so enamored with it. And we see as a greater gap, not only with the security models that I agree with, but there is no one in place responsible that's executing on this strategy with any experience in migrating any large-scale IT program successfully. None. So the lack of expertise of actually doing it, I wouldn't have my brother a dentist operate in my brain if I had brain cancer, even though he's a good doctor and I love him and I trust him, he doesn't have the skills. He has no experience. We're doing the same thing. Thank you. That's, uh, I, think, I think one of the ways to think about that is that my allusion to system engineering. System engineering in a process where somebody who doesn't actually know the whole problem has a model of how to solve it and finds experts uh, to fix some parts of it, and then works a lot about how the experts talk to each other. That's the classic definition of system engineering. These days, it's a bunch of people checking boxes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Cy Ramo version. But uh, uh, when you come with a competitive standard uh, to me, when I'm in that kind of a job, I quickly can understand whether I've already got one uh, that I think you wouldn't beat, or I can understand that we better think about it, and that's what the job is of somebody who's an integrator. But the problem is that you, you might you might get an integrator of the uh, cloud processing, you might get an integrator of the cloud storage. Uh, that's probably the provider because most of that is equipment. But as I said, even in the storage, what are your standards for metadata? 
is a very important thing because otherwise you can't retrieve it. And the real case is in the cloud operations. What are the programs? How do you do it? And so forth. From a security standpoint, I want to be positive about the cloud. It allows one to have the resources flexibly applied so that if you want to be more uh, secure at a, at, a, at a given point in time uh, rather than some other time, like right before you're about to invade somebody, just picture that you can, in fact, every 30 seconds of everybody in your, in your place, switch from Linux to iOS to Windows, and you'll drive the other guys batty. You can switch from Google to whatever other search thing you're interested in, et cetera. You can change your applications because the cloud allows you to slow things down because you can add compute power, and it's seamless. I doubt anybody's thinking about the spec that goes with how do you do that with this particular system. Yeah, right. The, the uh, Defense Science Board did a study on security in uh, cloud in, two, I think, around 2013. And it's, uh, it, it uh, usefully engages uh, some of these issues. And it's, it's on the uh, DSB uh, website. But uh, th these are uh, uh, issues that are uh, really important. But because of the, the path that the government has taken, where the intelligence community went wholeheartedly uh, into uh, uh, a, um, a cloud uh, monoculture and uh, uh, DOD uh, s seems interested in in uh, trying to replicate um, intelligence community experience and and uh, there are a lot of reasons why, why they may not be um, uh, not may not be an appropriate model for uh, DOD and the way DOD operates because of the different uh, missions that they have actually actually I I, I want to I'm not sure you're right. Okay. Uh, I do know that when the intelligence community, because I was involved in, went through their process, <clears throat> they had parallel prototype programs. One, an in-gov one that NSA did, and one, a competition that the CIA ran, which Amazon won. But that's like an F-35 fighter, where you, Boeing builds three prototypes, and Lockheed builds three, three prototypes, and they pick, okay? In this case, they picked both. I think NSA's cloud is still right. Right. definitely there. And if you want to do the metadata kind of things I'm talking about, I think they're more sophisticated sure. about it than the CIA. But I don't know that because I haven't been there for a while. However, I think, it's, I think that also settles a bit of your backup problem. Right. The problem was that the people who did the joint desktop environment, which is NGA, didn't pay any attention to either NSA or the CIA's or the DOD's requirements. And so the cloud operation didn't work because it was not interoperable. It's a classic kind of a thing. You do need, you do need alternate sources. You do need to protect yourself by not standing still and hiding yourself. You have to do all kinds of things to protect yourself in this world. And it's easier if you actually have, you can play games between who's actually got the, got the baton that day. That's a whole outside the contract realm of how do I actually solve these problems. And I think that's also a very weak point of the DOD when it's basically a program element 
organization. And when you need more than one program element to solve a problem, or maybe three, and they all have different management structures, that's a very difficult problem for the DOD to manage. And, and getting all their information ducks in a line is really very difficult. Yeah. Sir, in the back. On Tom says the SAP. I guess uh, listening to these issues that you're raising, it it prompts the question: Why DoD is taking the approach or is signaling the approach that it's taking? Um, so I I wonder if you could put on a different hat and answer from their perspective why. Would they go out understanding that these issues exist, understanding that they've got these management challenges as well? Why would they go out and create what I think many of us in the community feel is significant vulnerability in their approach? Mm -hmm. Thank you. I, I think it's always budget. I mean, the, 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 the intelligence cloud was clearly there because of the squeeze in the money that occurred because of the operational issues that Bill was talking about. And uh, uh, somebody I know really well went someplace and said, I'll do this, and it'll save you $108.72 million per year, and I'm going to spend that. And he spent it all up front, and the savings didn't come. And But that cloud whether it's processing, operations, or storage, is the sharing of resources such that you're not overloaded or underloaded. I mean, Amazon started this whole business at a commercial level because their Christmas rush was so big that their computer centers had to get so big, and they sat idle the rest of the year. And they said, hey, I'm going to marginally price this stuff. I don't mean to be too simple, but I think that's, that's why they were out ahead. And uh, and so I, that, that's, a, that's a way to say, if you don't have a constant information load, you could save money by sharing. So let's say you're doing a, a, a biochemical modeling of DNA, so you can do some sort of really monoclonal antibody. Uh, it takes an enormous amount of compute power for a very short period of time. The cloud allows you to sign up for that enormous amount of compute power, and then five seconds after you're finished, you turn it off and you don't pay anymore. So I think it's always money, no. but but after that, somebody's got to worry about what it does. Yeah. Well, I, I, just on the point relating to funding, General Clapper, who was the DNI at the time, specifically. Uh, expressed the view that uh, the, uh, that uh, the intelligence community could save about 50% of its IT budget by going uh, to the cloud. And they were looking at this very steep ramp for uh, uh, costs if they they uh, didn't do something like that. So it's if if you're driven by circumstances, as John suggested, to focus on on budget, uh, you want to believe. So I just think that they haven't paid nearly the attention they should be paying to security. And, and this is a decision that looks just like that. I mean, it does, DOD has constantly bought IT, 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 and then scrambled later on to try and fix what it bought. And, you know, you have a place across the river there that, that is 80% full with computers made in China. So you can figure out the rest. 
Uh, in the back. Yeah, I'm Bob Carlson with a small company called Yada Store. I have a lot of stuff to say, but I'll keep it short. First of all, six years into the eyesight experience, none of those value propositions have been achieved. And now Azure is being brought in as a competitor. What's interesting in that space is maybe there's been success on the CIA side of using the cloud, but the four DOD Intel organizations have struggled mightily to have that support their workload. And it seems like those lessons are being lost on OSD proper. On the security side, given our new national security strategy and the near peer issue with China and the fact that to run commercial cloud in China now, they have to be run by Chinese organizations. Um, that's almost a zero day exploit parade ground for the PLA to understand how to get into Amazon now in the commercial space. And there's nothing in the, in the OSD uh, security uh, RFI that talked about how you're going to firewall off those knowledge. So it seems like, you know, there's the lessons that we've learned, six years and billions of dollars in the new world of cloud are just not even, it's not even being able to impact the OSD organization. I'm wondering how that can be and what, you, what your all thoughts are. Well, you can see they just imported the procedures they already have. Not, nothing new, I mean, just the system that they have, they're applying to the cloud. So they don't even have a stig excuse the phrase, uh, they don't even have a stig that really is addressing the cloud issues, which have a lot of management systems that don't exist in DOD systems. So I, you know, I've, you, you've made it very clear, I think, about what the situation is. It's really trying to comprehend why it's like that. That's troublesome. Well, I think there are a, lo a lot of industry lessons learned that uh, might be, uh, uh, exploited with uh, with benefit to the uh, Department of Defense, uh, uh, say in, in uh, noting a commercial practice where they they can uh, could have uh, the convenience of a, a single provider or the complexity of managing multiple providers is that because the industry is is quite vibrant and has uh, uh, produced many uh, uh, alternative ways of delivering these uh, services based on the the needs of the user that uh, it's it's quite common for um, industry to have uh, uh, multiple providers to, uh, uh, that right. offer different types of services and are able to reflect um, a, a process of more continuous innovation where new uh, providers may have uh, uh, different ideas about whether it's relating to security or process efficiency or uh, other um, merits that, that can be attributed to uh, a cloud-based architecture. I think there's, there is room for uh, some uh, experimentation here, and uh, uh, the DOD may not be availing itself of the opportunity that it has by, uh, uh, by failing to look at alternative ways of procuring the cloud services. I think it's a fundamental problem I've been in OSD twice. Uh, there's a Secretary of Defense who in theory manages three services and some agencies. He doesn't have any money. All the money gets appropriated to the services and the agencies. Uh, that's not quite true. I mean, he has a little bit, but not a lot. And he has a staff, quote unquote, to pull the peanut butter and jelly together. Uh, <clears throat> that staff has gone through all kinds of reorganizations in the past. But fundamentally, it operates on program elements. So it's a, it's a way to manage 
program elements, whether they're R&D or procurement or O&M or personnel, and various people have jobs like that. The problem is information. You mentioned the F-35 and how dependent it is on information. I was there and I said, my god, the F-35 has the best radar around. I want to get the radar data back out of that thing because that's going to be better than a lot of other things we have, including very sophisticated systems that people love. And of course, the guy that runs the F-35 program says, hey, you got to be kidding. You're going to blow my stealth. And, and we had some fights about the other ways I could blow his stealth, but that's a different issue. Uh, however, information is a parallel issue that doesn't follow an in, uh, a program element. And so there's a undersecretary for Intel. Uh, there's a CIO. When I, when I was there, there was a, I was ASD of C cubed and I. That was a reasonably good combination, and I was the CIO. But I always let the finance guys worry about the business stuff, because uh, I didn't, I mean, that was a much different issue. Uh, you, you can't have a, a secretary and a deputy secretary who are very busy, who have to integrate what the Intel guy says, the CIO guy says, the procurement and R&D guys say on an information basis, because he'd be sitting there all day long being a system engineer. There is no such person. So information is fundamentally a, it shouldn't be split in the, the maximum number of organizations responsible for engineering uh, information in OSD is the wrong solution. Okay, I quit when Mr. Rumsfeld did that, split, split what I was doing apart. Because I've said to him, you need to find somebody who actually believes that's the right way to manage this thing. So, uh, but, but what you're talking about is that's not going to get fixed. Yeah, well, uh, this is, uh, you know, again, uh, suggests uh, 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 perhaps an alternative acquisition model where uh, some of these issues can be identified and worked out before it's, uh, it's propagated. And for that, uh, the opportunity to, to uh, take advantage of the vibrancy of the, the industry, the uh, rapid technological change that's taking place in the enabling uh, technologies that that support uh, cloud-based IT would seem to be a way of reducing the risk that uh, DOD undertakes by uh, having a highly centralized uh, uh, platform for its uh, uh, storage, processing, and operations. You also have to make sure that that uh, understanding the, the 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 level of of understanding of the system outside of the United States. Is low because uh, I mean one of the one of the things that concerns me is that the architecture of these systems is is not confined to our borders, um, and that the supply chain that supports it is all over the place, but also mostly in Asia. Um, and where our friends in China have supercomputers now that are outperforming the supercomputers that we even have, so it, it's. I think we're setting ourselves up for a lot of trouble by migrating to a, a kind of generic uh, system without studying. And I, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I'm saying we, we should study the implications because we know very well the Chinese are not, not only extraordinarily active in this field, they're also good at it. 
uh, and they're also requiring cloud providers to not only provide all the information about their systems, but also the encryption keys that, that they have must be shared with the Chinese in order for them to operate on, you know, with Chinese entities and Chinese companies. So I think there's a lot of risks here that I don't see any assessment. Uh, what really bothers me is that this whole thing is just act, is really looking like kind of standard procurement with all these unsettled issues swarming underneath and no one's paying attention. And, and that's scary. I, 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 think, I think it's too pessimistic to say that this can't be done, but somebody has to decide they want to do it. We used to design really high quality systems out of parts that weren't very high quality. And, and that's an engineering process where you have to be able to work through that process. In security, and I think that's a big deal here, but, but I'm not at all against DOD worrying very hard about cloud processing and cloud storage. I, I believe there's a lot of money to be made there, and, and there's a lot of good things that can happen. It's, uh, it can also get fouled up if you don't get the metadata right and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think that having a great general purpose set of instruction sets isn't going to help a guy who's got a complex radar that needs to do radar processing. And they're now trying to get radar guys to use the cloud instead of radar processors because that's the way they think. That's, those are the kind of errors that are made the security issue I look at very differently, I think. There is no way to be secure. I absolutely assure you there is no way to be secure. Uh, if it's not too hard, you can do the bear in the woods thing. You don't have to beat the bear. You have to beat the guy that's running with you. Well, that's not funny. It's a perfectly valid thing to do is, is you'll get the hackers to go after the other guy if he's easy, easier. That doesn't solve the real problem. In my world, I think you have to have a five-layer system. And because the amount of effort that goes into it goes up a lot, the more secure you want to do, because you want people to continuously attack you that are your friends. You want to monitor very closely what everybody's doing, almost bit by bit, to see if you've got an internal guy who's already bad. Um, you start with a kernel, and, and I would call that the, the first level of the operation of the cloud, of all three. And if you want to think of it in, in uh, uh, Intel terms, it's, the, it's, it's just the overlay that gets started with the information. And then you're going to go to the TSSCI kind of level. There's a boundary. You're going to watch every bit that goes through that boundary. You're going to fondle it, you're going to make sure it's the right one because you can't afford to have bits go across that boundary and get to on a computer the equivalent of a BIOS. You know, I, I get things to change my BIOS on my computer all the time and I every time it happens I say, okay, this is giving away the store because I don't know what they're doing. Hope they're the right guys. You can, you can run a pretty good enclave of pretty secret people, both the DOD and the uh, Intel community know how to do that in, in where they have some freedom of what the processors are. If they get forced into a generic cloud, they'll have harder problems solving that. But just think about it as, okay, then I need to go to the third layer, which I'll call secret or 
that kind of stuff. Um, and there's got to have a lot more access. You can't monitor every piece of data. You can, you can make sure that you don't go from the uh, TSSCI one to the secret one uh, unless somebody's really paying attention. And you, you can have ways that you filter what you're interested in coming the other way. So, but it's a different management problem at that level. And then you can go to whatever you want to call it, a little bit classified. And then finally, you go to the Wild West. You have to be able to do the Wild West. You apply a totally different set of security co contexts. Uh, I think you can't. I mean, a cloud is a part. A cloud processing, a cloud is a part of the whole of the whole right. DoD. So you have to have some mentality about this layered thing. It's, you have to absolutely have to dynamically assume that you have already been had and search diligently. I find, I, I find how difficult this is commercially. A friend of mine is very involved with a company that, if you pay them, will tell you how many Russians, Iranians, Chinese, et cetera, have been in your network over the last six months. And they go to places like Goldman Sachs and Bank of America and tell the CIO, you know, there's currently 92 people from Russia in your stuff, 87 from China, and so forth and so on. And the CIO says, go away. Because the CIO has told the CEO that everything's safe and he's been doing a good job for 10 years. And, and they actually don't accept the data because it screws up the, I didn't mean to imply that Goldman Sachs or somebody was specific about that. I was making a general comment, okay? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a little sensitive, but, but I'm using an example. Uh, that's what happens. So you have to get through that, and you have to be happy when somebody says, boy, those guys are there. Then you can decide whether you're going to let them stay there and watch what they do, because you'll learn a lot more about what they're doing if you let them stay there and watch them. That means you have to set up a honeypot and a whole bunch of other issues. I don't want to go into all of that. But somebody's got to worry about that, or it won't work. I need it for the gentleman bring up great points again. Uh, one of the things I keep asking myself and others is, we just awarded MillCloud 2.0. If we're not happy with it, why not fix it? Because you have an organization set up to manage that. You have, like uh, NSA, a protected enclave, like CIA. That's not a public cloud. So we really have not proven that a commercial public cloud is even secure enough for us. Why are we not taking advantage of the investments we just finished making? And I don't understand the politics behind, let's ignore what this has just did. Is it ego among the folks running this procurement because they want to say they succeeded in bringing government to the cloud, which we're already in? We have 500 different cloud implementations in DOD already. Thank you. Oh, I don't know what that program is, so that's easy. Don't, don't worry. Don't tell me. I just I can't answer anything. So. Yeah. Uh, I think we had a question here. At Stoller with uh, Open Markets Institute, uh, how does the how does the PLA handle this problem? Well, they uh, they uh, keep a lot of their stuff out of uh, the, off the internet. Uh, they have a 
uh, a dedicated uh, strategic support force that's uh, so that you don't have the capabilities uh, spread out all over their uh, uh, military forces. Their, their uh, civil networks are um, much less uh, accessible than uh, has been the case with uh, uh, commercial networks outside of the uh, 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 outside of the government. So I think they they, they have undertaken a layer of of um, protections that, that's uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, not only military, that, that make their uh, system a lot uh, tighter than uh, uh, ours, and in fact, in most of uh, most modern uh, countries who uh, have a uh, uh, much more relaxed view of uh, the role of the internet, the role of uh, uh, network computers, and, and uh, the, the way in which storage will be undertaken. They do have a, also a vibrant industry that is um, uh, providing and will continue to provide uh, uh, cloud-based uh, uh, services as well. And they're also working on their own operating systems instead of using commercial off-the-shelf ones as a, as a way of uh, uh, making it more difficult to, to, for hackers to hit them. Um, I think that's a very interesting, an interesting development on their side, um, and 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 I think you have to add that they're they're not nearly at the same level as as the American uh, defense uh, system in terms of the level of integration of services and capabilities, nor are the Russians. They're 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 very far behind us. In fact, you know, part of this whole revolution in military affairs. And the qualitative edge that it's provided us, which Bill started talking about at the beginning, has been really one of our greatest assets in, in, term, in terms of force multiplier, and in terms of the capabilities that we were able to get. Uh, and, and frankly, when we were struggling against the Soviet Union, that was how we beat them, by having these kinds of electronic capabilities they simply couldn't duplicate. They couldn't get near it, and I don't think they're near it yet. Um, so, which also creates an asymmetry in the sense that we have this vulnerability because the more computing that we rely on, the more satellites we rely on, the more fiber we rely on, all these things uh, can be attacked. And th that's exactly what's happening. I, I think I would rather be on my side they have a lot more people. That's, that's an important thing. They really have a lot more people doing uh, uh, information operations uh, just because they have a lot more people, period. And, and they're well-trained. But um, hierarchical controlled societies, uh, and I'll go back to the Russians when they were 10 feet tall and all the rest of that, and, and my job was to make sure they weren't 10 feet tall. It's, they're amazingly easy to blow apart once you get through and find some, some vulnerability. And they're there because they're afraid to test things and so forth and so on. The Chinese have a very robust industry, but they won't allow their own people to have a lot of information. So there's a lot of, of hierarchical problems. I mean, here I'm talking the whole day about I want the internet 
to get the right data to the right person whenever they want it, and they get to choose what it is. Let me assure you, neither the PLA nor the Russian military is at all interested in a fighter pilot being able to get any information he wants, because they're very afraid he'll turn around and go to Moscow or Beijing. This, this does raise a, a dimension of the uh, uh, the uh, cloud-based architecture, which re relates to the question of how we work with our allies. We uh, uh, our allies are going to be increasingly important players in how we uh, uh, conduct uh, warfare. The uh, F-35 uh, aircraft is is being uh, sold to uh, European, Middle Eastern, and, and East Asian. Uh, allies, and uh, so, somehow if we're going to, to interoperate, whether it's with tactical aircraft or the more recent um, uh, decisions made to have U.S., Japanese, and South Korean missile defense collaboration, where we will need to uh, be able to have this uh, data uh, integrated and uh, operated in uh, near real time, because that's the nature of the um, uh, the missile defense problem. We need to be thinking about how to uh, to uh, manage the, uh, this uh, sort of data uh, in ways that, that contribute to the security of our allied partners as well. I think we have the um, uh, discouraging example of the uh, Libya campaign where the U.S. made a, a decision not to uh, lead in the campaign, and that produced uh, uh, a lot of uh, unhelpful uh, uh, outcomes because of the inability of the uh, allies to share data and uh, to use it in constructive ways. So I think when we're considering how we're going to manage the uh, uh, movement of uh, DOD data uh, to the cloud, we need to be thinking about how we will engage our allies uh, and, and how we will manage that, uh, that interface so that we, uh, as an alliance, can uh, have uh, high confidence that we'll be able to achieve the uh, military aims of the alliance, and to do so in a, in a way that's uh, uh, as uh, efficient as possible. Uh, you know, we're not there yet. That reminds me, I was sent to <coughs> Kosovo, no, sorry, to Bosnia, to check up that the Russians had gotten the best of our satellite imagery that we gave them when they were our allies. I found it a very frightening kind of a thing, but fortunately it was another contractor who had provided the equipment, and I felt very good about that. Uh, however, it turns out we went and visited the French. They were much more aggressive and ruthless about what they were doing in intelligence use of what we were doing as opposed to using the pictures in the first place than the Russians. So. I think you need to understand that who's a friend and who's an enemy is not a constant, and uh, those are going to be real live things. And so, as I say, you've got to be dynamic and you've got to be checking all the time. Then you can decide whether I'm going to allow this or not allow this or whatever. Right. Yes, sir. Wait for the mic. Uh, thank you very much for, for doing this today. My name is Scotty Myers. I'm a single-person consultant. Um, we support what, what JEDI is doing. It's amazing. Um, you take a, if you can t take a step back and look at the, uh, the scale of what they're doing in the savings, it will, it will be amazing. And the things that they're learning at scale when they're doing what they're doing at a commercial level and 
that information is not being shared with this group for sure, and it's not being shared with other groups. But there are reasons why Jedi is going to this to this model, and it's it's amazing. So we are interested in teaming with anyone here, especially the institute, and and creating a Six Sigma basic set of requirements. Okay, we know we're going to the cloud. We know that we know Industry Day said we're going to bend the DoD around the cloud. Okay, so we got that. So let's define the problems that we see and put together a response. You know, quote unquote, bring your A game. Let's do that. We're interested in doing it. We're here. We uh, we're a 24 by 7 shop. Thank you very much. Hi, my name is Tom Keelan. I'm a researcher here at Hudson. Um, you've highlighted a number of issues with um, the DoD procurement of cloud computing services. Um, do you think those issues uh, will be exacerbated by kind of a single award IDIQ contract as opposed to a multi-cloud solution? Doing system engineering on a multi-cloud solution is harder than it is to actually do reasonable trade-offs between the DOD and a singer cloud, because there's only one guy you have to fight with. So I, I, I think there's always an advantage to having multiple things, as long as they're bringing different issues. I, the, the point of saving money is you combine it. That's, I think, is going to always drive it to one. And if you're going to decide that there's a reason to have two then you better understand that you've actually fixed the whole problem. Otherwise, you're going to have two of the whole problems, and they're going to be different. Yeah. Uh, but, but the private sector use of cloud usually are multiple providers. That's correct. And so why is that? Is it for budget reasons, or is it because reliability, uh, availability, uh, stability, and dealing with problems? And one of the things that's reported very widely in the cloud sector is there are problems. Uh, there are problems between the IT people and the security people. There's problems between the companies and the provider, and, and it goes on. Uh, and, and a lot of these are, are still really unexplored. So I, I think there's a, I don't know if I'm taking issue with you or not, I really don't think so, but, but I think that, that uh, if if the general trend is to have multiple providers, then one has to think it's not just for money, but that it's that it's a pragmatic and uh, operational decision that makes the most sense. Look, if I'm a drug company and I want to do molecular modeling or DNA modeling in order to come up with monoclonal uh, monoclonal antibodies, and I have five clouds that I can use. I'll use all five of them because I've got five of those projects. I mean, that's a different problem from waging a killing war. Well, I'm not sure it is. I mean, that's that, it's an interesting issue because uh, it, it seems to me that, that you, you don't want one vulnerability in a war because then you, you might pay greatly for it. Uh, yes, sir. I, I have to say this is... Um, very frustrating discussion because there are so many questions and uh, and you answer you know, uh, politeness requires us to pick one <laughs> so uh, I guess you know we've had this uh, we uh, there's always this tension between commercial and um, proprietary or privately developed government unique whatever we want to call it and uh, we're relying here heavily uh, 
on commercial. We're saying let's leverage the commercial space. The, the JEDI document speaks to utilizing a commercial level security. And, and you know, so of course you have this threshold question of well, what is that and is it better than the security we have? Um, are the assumption sets just, have they been tested yet for this approach? Uh, because it, it seems like we're moving forward and I guess that ha the implication of the answer is to what extent is there a value add by DDS in this process? Um, because we, there's a quandary here in, in the industry as to how they're, they're uh, laying out their requirements here. What's justifying, where's the data, if you will, to justify this approach? And we're not really getting an answer. The, uh, uh, I know the, the, this issue has come up in the uh, uh, omnibus uh, uh, appropriation cycle, and uh, I, I think it's it's been uh, it's been surfaced. And uh, so I, I think the uh, there's some likelihood that the Congress may choose to get involved in in this in some way. The Congress has been the big driver in. Uh, uh, you know, Competition Contracting Act and, and lots of uh, uh, activities of, of that sort to, to try and maintain the, the presumption of, uh, of uh, uh, competition in uh, DOD procurements. And the service industries have generally been um, uh, better served by the competitive uh, procurement than, than the procurement of uh, hardware simply because they, uh, it, the industry has tended to be uh, quite vibrant, large numbers of um, uh, uh, participants in the market, and hence it's, it's uh, been easier to, ru uh, to run uh, competitive procurements um, uh, for them. I, well, a concern I had, which I mentioned at the outset, but I, I think is worth uh, raising here, is, is uh, uh, that uh, the DOD process needs to take advantage of the dynamism of the, uh, the industry. These are technology-driven uh, it is a technology-driven industry. There's many dimensions to this that are being uh, 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 altered, <coughs> enabled, et cetera. And uh, uh, not all of the same services are going to be offered by uh, every uh, cloud service uh, provider. And so the, the, the DOD, in an effort to maintain a posture of continuous innovation, needs to find a way to, uh, to manage that. And, uh, uh, a, a single service provider may may not necessarily be the uh, a way to do that, or else there needs to be some uh, con contract innovation that uh, has not been uh, uh, one of DOD's strong points. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well look, DOD's procurement thing started uh, back after World War II, and ultimately the. Packard Commission in 1970 came up with the organization that there that is there now, and it deals with program elements. I've said that several times. Um, and the problem is when that one more than one program element is needed to solve a problem, and that's that's when the problem occurs. the The issue is that without somebody owning the output as opposed to the input. Uh, there was a, a, a lot of work done on OT&E to make sure that you couldn't get your money until the thing passed. That would be an answer to your question, which is, uh, what's the temp? What, what does the temp say? Uh, that's the, the technical 
valuation management plan, I think right. is the name right. for it. But it's basically the final test of whether you get paid or not. If somebody were to really rigorously define the use cases that you want the temp to pass, you would discover, as opposed to arguing about adjectives in piles of paper that are this high called an RFP, it would be a lot easier. And a lot of people would lose money uh, because they're not used to it. And the real issue is you keep the bureaucrats from changing anything. Because once the temp is written, they're going to pay. And, it can't, and it, whether it's your constituent or whether it's your office versus somebody else's, uh, all of that sort of goes away. So as, as long as you're worried about inputs and measuring of inputs, and that comes from Congress, they want to know that the color of money is kept uh, kept pure, and they don't actually care what happens that comes out the other end. Uh, they care about what feedback from their constituents is, but not in a technical sense. If you worry about the output, you know, does the plane fly? Does it? Does it? Does it? You know, does it meet stealth and all the rest of those things? Then you can have an argument about whether you want to buy them or not, or how many, or whether you want to fix them. In IT, we don't do that, and yet we should. And we should have a hacker go after it. And you'll discover that nobody will ever get paid. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't mean to be cynical. But I mean, there are simple rules that people need to follow. And I actually don't know the details of who DSS is or what they're doing. But the idea that it's a committee or OIPT or whatever they call them these days, it's going to go through all of that, that's not a way to procure an IT system that's going to have pressure on it from operational difficulties, security de difficulties, people shooting at it, etc. Well, I, I think uh, the, the, this is a, a, an area that's been moving along for, for several years without uh, DOD really engaging. And, uh, they, the engagement appears to be sort of binary, that they uh, have uh, gone from, um, say, monitoring the IC's uh, progress uh, with it and, and uh, thinking about it to a, a decision that they're going to go quickly. I think it was uh, uh, at least an important part of it was related to security, as I mentioned at the outset, that uh, the, the present system is, is uh, uh, definitely not secure. And uh, while uh, I think uh, people close to it will uh, share John's observation that uh, it can never be secure in the, in the sense that, that, it's, uh, uh, that it's airtight. You, you can just uh, um, have to manage security. Man yeah, m uh, manage, the, uh, manage the risk uh, in such a way that uh, you are able to conduct operations and uh, with uh, a fairly high degree of confidence that you'll, you'll be able to mitigate the uh, opportunities for the bad guys to interfere, recognizing that at some, uh, at some circumstances they almost certainly will be able to disrupt uh, elements of our operations. But uh, <clears throat> the, the uh, uh, DOD is elected to move very quickly. Uh, DOD is not well organized to move quickly on uh, things, so uh, sometimes you uh, produce the want it bad, get it bad kind of outcome. And uh, that's, a, uh, of course, a, a potential uh, risk here as to uh, recovery from a bad outcome. Uh, you know, what are alternative uh, 
uh, acquisition models that might might be undertaken to facilitate uh, a recovery. Uh, as I said, there'll be a um, uh, if they move quickly, they, they, uh, some of the mistakes that uh, uh, John and Steve have pointed to are are likely to appear quickly, and that uh, is uh, is a source of concern. So we we have about uh, ten minutes left. I think. Uh, let me make a comment. I think it's worse now because I think recently they took the procurement away, procurement authority away from the CIO, which used to be able to use Clinger Cohen, which is a totally different model for, and it's actually useful for some of the cloud kind of things we're talking about, because it basically says if you can define it as a fixed price contract, you don't have to go through all that stuff. <coughs> so now DDRE or whoever's in ATL who really is totally managed by program elements is the guy that decides who wins. And so, I mean, there are some real, real impediments to doing this correctly. I'm sorry I interrupted one of you. Sure. Thank you. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Harmony. Question. I used to work for somebody that very few people remember, Abe Ribikoff. Yeah. Okay. Ribikoff always used to say, organization is policy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So here's the question. If you look at the current structure leading toward the expected procurement, which we're discussing now, what specific changes would you suggest in the organization to try to expand and address the multiplicity of questions and issues that have been raised today and a subset of that is, should there be people involved from other agencies outside the DOD community? Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I think that, that uh, because of the nature of this, the uh, DOD has t created an ad hoc mechanism to uh, facilitate the uh, the rapid procurement, and, and that uh, has um, a, a lot of positive features in that it, it focuses the leadership attention uh, on a problem and, and uh, uh, makes it more likely that the, the uh, operation will get the resources it needs, but it also uh, has the property that it, it uh, narrows the aperture of um, uh, sensitivity to uh, the kind of concerns that get get raised here, and you know, hence contributes to the to the risks that you won't have uh, the outcome that uh, DOD both needs and and seeks. And the oversight, right? Uh, the uh, because it is an ad hoc arrangement uh, to to meet this particular need, the uh, the oversight arrangements will uh, have to uh, mutate the. Uh, Existing uh, institutional oversight in order to uh, uh, to manage it, but uh, as far as I know, that has has not been specified. It wouldn't be a bad idea to have the Defense Science Board review this whole procurement. Absolutely. I think that that mm -hmm. it exists. It's they're they're from industry for the most part, and from the private uh, sector. They're not uh, They're independent so. of the system. Uh, they think well. Yeah. Well. Uh, the, the DSB has, uh, in its charter, it's, uh, it's uh, specifically prohibited from uh, reviewing so-called particular matters, which I'm not a lawyer, but uh, Is it it's, particular, if yeah. you're on the wrong side of it, you, you get to wear orange. And uh, I think, <laughs> say again? Congressional Research 
Uh, well, uh, no doubt GAO uh, we'll will, but this anyway, is a, yeah. it's really a procurement policy or acquisition policy matter, and it's uh, um, it, it, it doesn't quite drop into the box associated with science, which is more uh, about technical choices uh, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, congressional oversight agencies uh, uh, will look at aspects of it, but uh, it, it probably will be difficult for them to to, to uh, surface the issues that are needed, and and uh, usually they arrive after the train wreck uh, uh, rather than right. uh, uh, before. It, it has to be ad hoc. I mean, you, if if the organization doesn't match what you're trying to do, it has to have an ad hoc mechanism. Uh, and then somebody has to either be given or take the power to be responsible. And it's usually somebody that takes it. Certainly when I was around, I was the one that took it. And Mr. Rumsfeld would say, what are you doing? And I'd say, I'm doing this. And this is what's going to happen. And if it's going wrong, I'll tell you. And I set up my own ad hoc set of things, which was most, we, we, we deployed, for instance, commercial grade fiber optic network around the world for the DOD use to enhance all of this stuff, fixed price, on time. Uh, but I had the J6 of the, the JCS in my office there two times a week. And I'd say, hey, you guys just said you that Guantanamo is one of your high priority places. I said, OK, we're fixed price. That's out of the way. We got to run fiber. Which of the which would you like to get rid of, uh, Sync Pack or Sync Land or maybe uh, Sync Your or would you like to go to uh, go to uh, Guantanamo? And she came back the next day. She says, "I think we won't go to Guantanamo," but but somebody has to do that. And I believe there's a ad hoc organization that has a committee running it. Is that not true? Doesn't DSS have? Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, DOD is, has uh, shown itself to be pretty good at, at uh, implementing ad hoc arrangements. Uh, the uh, mine-resistant uh, armor-protected vehicles were put. Uh, we built twelve thousand of them in in three years, and in, for most conventional procurements, you can't get a dial tone in three years. So D DOD is, is quite good at. Uh, at, uh, executing ad hoc arrangements. It's just that this, uh, the technology doesn't reside in, in uh, DOD. So the DOD is, is not, in that sense, uh, intimate with the technology the way it might be of a specialized uh, defense. But General Miggs did the right thing. He set up a very ruthless right. set of people to help him mm -hmm. do his ad hoc thing. They don't right. seem present right now. I mean, it seems like this. This, the security side of this, which is what I know more about than the other, it mm. just doesn't seem to be addressed in, in a serious mm. way. And I think that's... But that's because C-cubed and the CIO are, are IT, and cybersecurity is Intel. Yeah, I understand I mean, that. I understand know, the institutional how, I, so, so the secretary is the integrator. Good luck. Yeah, well, maybe he needs good luck, because yeah. Uh, yeah. This, is, this is something that this gap has to be bridged. And... and and uh, whether it's an ad hoc group or whether you use Cybercom or you use NSA, you use the assets you have, but you have to look at it. And I don't see where it's looked at. Yeah. NSA is not a paragon of procurement. <laughs> I'm talking about procurement. I'm talking about risks. Yeah, it's yeah. A, but no B. Uh, exactly. Uh, John Weiler again. Uh, 
One thing that I keep asking myself is what problem is the department trying to solve? And that's not been succinctly articulated. Not having uh, an enterprise cloud solution is not a problem statement. Not being on the cloud is not a problem statement. You know, the fact is that many of the problems that we're seeing is because how Congress funds programs, if there's no funding for ubiquitous IT infrastructure. There's nothing funding the fact that we're going to create capabilities that are utility computes for all programs. Each program is funded a specific color of money, but you haven't seen... No, 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 that's not true. We haven't seen that done well. I mean, this... No, 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 no. There are lots of uh, defense uh, industrial funded IT programs. That are just infrastructure separate from the applications? Absolutely. But maybe that's the problem that's not been well done. Well, I disagree with you. I, I'm sure there are some that aren't well done, but I know several that really work well. We believe, from our perspective, the communication model is it goes from the top federal executives, CIO, CTO, that goes through the cloud providers, people that work at the cloud providers, and that information is pulled, and it goes into Jedi and other, their experiences. That's what's happening. We, we know this for a fact. Um, so if you're, if you're concerned about no one knows about this or the economies, of, I'll say economies of scale, then Informa the, the information created from the economies of scale, that experience, all that knowledge is kind of hidden. It's kind of in the back room, but it's definitely getting to the right people. And um, take a look at what's not in the procurement. Look at how it's written. There's a lot of things that aren't there. And look at what was said. Bring your A game. If you have an answer, if, if you think you have better answers or you see something from a Six Sigma model that, that isn't defined, you know, this week, the week of the ninth, is when the answers are supposed to come back. We're not even there yet. They're saying, we need to move fast on this. We need, we need input from the industry. Bring your A game and bring all these ideas and, and present it in, in a formal response. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, the, the, this is the first meeting we've held on this, and the aspiration, of course, was to, to surface the issue and not, uh, uh, not try to uh, uh, resolve them because I, uh, and, Undoubtedly, as DOD moves into this uh, uh, acquisition, uh, there'll be more uh, clarity as to what uh, outcomes DOD is seeking and, and how they intend to, to deal with it, and, and we can uh, revisit the matter at, uh, in due course. So, thank you. Good. Any last uh, parting you. words? No? That's good dialogue. Thank you. Yeah, good. Well, thank you for participating. Very helpful.